Today on this Resurrection Sunday weekend, we're going to consider some powerful words. Now, they aren't new words. For most of you, they're very familiar words. But powerful words don't lose their impact through repetition. The reality is repetition increases their impact. And what's true of powerful words in general is doubly true of God's powerful words. They always have the potential to surprise us with new, fresh insights and deeper understanding. Now, few of God's words are more powerful than those recorded in Matthew's narrative of Jesus' resurrection. The words I'm about to read always stir my soul. So as I read them, I want to invite you to listen as if you're hearing them for the very first time. And be prepared to have God surprise you with something new. The words are found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 9. Listen to the inspired, life-changing Word of God. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. For an angel of the Lord had descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold... Jesus met them and greeted them. I've entitled our study from God's Word this Resurrection Weekend, Surprised by a New Story. Surprised by a New Story. Before we embark on our journey through God's Word, please join your hearts and minds with mine in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, in these coming moments, I will, as always, need the equipping of your Holy Spirit for the proclamation of your truth. And so I pray for a fresh infilling that will enable me to echo your heart accurately to all who are listening. And Father, all of us always need the work of the Holy Spirit to understand your truth, and then apply it. So we all ask for a fresh infilling of your Spirit that will prepare us to not only be informed, but be 
transformed. And as always, we pray these things not just for our own benefit. We pray them for your honor, for the welfare of your church, and for the sake of our vital mission in a broken world. And we pray them with confidence because we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. And as we listen for God's voice together today, may the Lord be with you. Each of us, whether we realize it or not, organizes our life around a story. Once in place, that story effectively sets the parameters of our life. It becomes the lens through which we see ourselves, see others, and see God. It becomes the grid through which we interpret our life experiences. It shapes our worldview, and it shapes our self-concept. It establishes our expectations. It defines our values, and it orders our priorities. It influences our relationships. It determines whether we live with expectation or dread, with stubborn hope or suffocating despair. And it determines where we look for help in times of trouble and the help that we expect. So it wouldn't be a stretch to suggest that the story we choose to believe determines our destiny. It determines what our story will be and how our story will end. So it's important, for obvious reasons, that we embrace a true story, an accurate story, and not some work of fiction filled with deception and dysfunction. Now, finding a life story is not like shopping for toilet paper, hand sanitizer, or N95 face masks in the midst of a pandemic. Stories are never in short supply. And they can come out of any soil. They can grow up out of pain or privilege, out of poverty or wealth, out of disappointment or celebration. And they come in a seemingly infinite number of varieties. They run the gamut from the atheistic story of a random universe guided by mindless, impersonal forces, all the way over to the biblical account of a carefully created universe guided by a personal and loving God. But no matter a story's origin, Jesus reminds us of something very important. Jesus' resurrection reminds us that once a story is in place, it doesn't have to remain in place. We can exchange one story for another. Put differently, you don't have to remain stuck in a bad, disappointing story. Now, the women who had visited Jesus' tomb had already exchanged one story for another. 
after years of living under the dehumanizing subjugation under Rome, can we stop and pick that up? Because I really got hung up on that word. I'll start right with point three, okay? Okay. Anytime? Okay. Once a story is in place, it doesn't have to remain in place. We can exchange one story for another. To put it differently, if you are currently stuck in a bad story, you don't have to remain there. Now, the two women who visited Jesus' tomb had already swapped one story for another. After years of subjugation under Rome, after a lifetime of the disappointments of corrupted religion, these two women had made the choice to step out of their old, disheartening, discouraging story and into the new, hopeful story that they had heard from Jesus. And initially, it appeared to be a very smart move. Because the opening chapters of that new story were chock full of promise. The two women found their souls liberated. They found a new sense of significance and worth and purpose and dignity. They were privileged to witness miracle after miracle after miracle. And every day brought new installments of hope. But in the aftermath of Jesus' crucifixion, it appeared that their new story was no better than the old story they had discarded. It appeared that the new story was a cruel work of fiction. So it was in great devastation that the women visited the tomb. And they didn't come that day to put a loud exclamation point on a happy ending. They came to put a quiet period at the end of a disappointing ending. But as we now know, their expectations were blown up because they were surprised by a new story the story of Jesus' triumph over death and his resurrection. Now, those two women were not the first to be surprised by God, and gladly they would not be the last. And to underscore that reality, today I want to share with you four stories. Stories of people whose lives were changed when God surprised them with a new story. Now, I've shared these stories previously over the years. But like powerful words, good stories bear repeating. And I'm going to begin with the story that had the most direct impact upon my own life. In in 1949, my father's story appeared to be headed for a tragic ending. He had returned from World War II with a severe crippling case of what we now know as PTSD. He could no longer work. His wife 
was actually carrying their first child when the physicians at the Veterans Administration Hospital recommended that her husband be permanently assigned to a psychiatric ward. In his desperation, my father opened a Bible. It had been placed in the nightstand of his room by a wonderful Christian organization known as the Gideons. It was his very first encounter with God's story. As he read Matthew's account of Jesus' life, read about Jesus' words, and read about Jesus' resurrection, it was enough to convince him that he needed Jesus, not only for his mind, but also for his soul. And so he asked God to save him and heal him in that order. And God did both. Two days later, a sizable group of physicians examined him, ran him through a battery of tests, and concluded their comprehensive exam by saying, Dilliman, you're as healthy as anybody in this room. Go home. When his situation invited my father to despair, when it suggested he embrace a tragic life story with a bitter ending, Jesus surprised him with a new alternative story. He walked out of that hospital and into a life of serving God and subsequently influenced over 3,000 men and women to join him inside God's new liberating story. The second story. Back in the 90s, a couple from ACAC asked if they could meet with me in my study. They found themselves in the early chapters of a story of deep, deep disappointment. Their efforts to conceive children had failed, and they had tried everything. Her gynecologist's suggestion that she quickly undergo a complete hysterectomy seemed to signal that all hope of childbearing was now lost. Her husband, who had been trained to be a counselor, could not find work. And so they came to my office seeking two things. They asked for comfort and advice. But they were asking for comfort and advice inside their current story. Little did they know and little did I know that God was about to surprise them with a new story. As I was listening to their tragic tale, the Holy Spirit made it very clear I was not to offer them generic comfort and advice about adoption and finding work. Instead, I was to assure them that God was going to give them the child they desired and give him the job he desired, and they were to go on their way expectant and praising God. So that's what I did. Two weeks later, as the wife passed me following a service, she leaned in. We weren't doing social distancing back then. And she whispered in my ear, Pastor, I've just learned I'm pregnant. 
Nine months later, I dedicated a beautiful baby girl. And within the month, her husband had his job. When that couple was tempted to settle for a disappointing story, Jesus surprised them with a new story. It was also in the 90s that a godly woman, a member of our congregation, was tempted to embrace a hard story. She had just learned that there were extensive cancerous growths in her body. And the prognosis for her was not good. A week after she received that diagnosis, as she was walking by me after a service, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to tell Olive I'm going to heal her. So I did, confident that it was God and not irresponsible, wishful thinking on my part. A week later, as she passed me by following a servant, she pressed a note into my hand. After everyone had left, I opened that small piece of paper and I read these words. Multiple scans show no trace of cancer. Doctors have no explanation. Olive lived for many years after that in health. But when she was tempted to embrace a story of imminent death, Jesus surprised her with a new story, one of continued and blessed life. Final story. In 1984, the Holy Spirit led me to accept a call to be the new pastor of ACAC. I quickly realized that both the congregation and I were being tempted to embrace a story of doubt and despair. You see, 400 people worshipped where once there had been a thousand every weekend. There were numerous empty seats. Discouragement was at a pandemic level. The congregation was entirely Caucasian in a multicultural community, and worse, it had a reputation for bigotry. Fellow pastors told me that ACAC had no future, that it needed to abandon the city and move to the suburbs. And America's foremost expert on church life, the author of over 20 books on the subject, told me that renewal in this place, under those circumstances, was likely a pipe dream. But God was about to surprise us with a new story. He told me that he was going to birth renewal. He made it clear it wouldn't happen immediately, but it would happen. And he told me that by year 10, we would be back to the 1,000 worshipers level. Now, you've often heard me say God is seldom early, but he's never late. And for six years, God's promise to me appeared to be dead on arrival. For every 30 new members who walked in, 20 would leave, moving to other parts of the country in pursuit of work. I would remind you it was in the 90s that Pittsburgh lost more population than any American city other than Detroit. 
And so it appeared that the promise, 10 years, a thousand people, was a bogus story. But then, about year six, renewal began to emerge quietly. And by year 10, ACAC, every weekend, saw more than a thousand people assembling for worship. When conditions, when culture, when the experts suggested that we embrace a story of inevitable decline and failure, God surprised us with a new story. Now, why did I share those four stories? I share them to remind you that Jesus is not a mythical figure in a fictitious story. He is the living Savior who wants to shatter the myth that we can't live inside a new story. That once we're stuck in a bad story, we have to stay there all the days of our life. You see, Jesus made it clear he doesn't want anyone to perish inside a misleading fairy tale of meaningless existence. He doesn't want anyone to live inside a story that assigns them permanent victim status. He doesn't want anybody to be trapped inside a story that leads them to approach life with a spirit of resignation. When Jesus said, I make all things new, he didn't exclude our story. He included it. That's why he instructed the two women to share the story of his resurrection with the disciples and then commissioned those disciples to share it with the world. God is on record. He reserves full understanding of spiritual realities for those who place their faith in Jesus. Understanding follows faith. Because if you have no interest in following God, why would he explain his realities to you? But even though full understanding is only given to those who have experienced the new birth, God does graciously share portions of understanding with those who do not follow Jesus. And that explains how the philosopher Aristotle, though not a follower of Jesus, made an observation that sounds like it was lifted directly out of the biblical book of Proverbs. Aristotle suggested, quote, when the storytelling goes bad in culture, the result is decadence. I think you would agree with me, the storytelling has gone bad in our current American culture and in cultures all around the world. And we're seeing the devastating effects of bad storytelling. But Scripture reminds us of something more. It reminds us that human decadence not only births bogus stories, but it makes them sound believable. It makes them appear logical and credible. And it makes them who promote them sound persuasive and wise. And that's why 
God's words in Proverbs remind us there are stories that seem right, but they end in destruction. Now, that's a paraphrase. It actually says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is destruction. But when you're talking about a way, you are talking about the life story that you choose. But I want to remind you, God didn't stop with a warning. Because God has been watching people long enough to know, we often assume that warnings are for others and not for us. We're seeing evidence of that every day in this pandemic. So God gave us something more than a warning. He gave us the resurrection. The resurrection offers undeniable proof that Jesus' otherwise preposterous claims are not preposterous at all. You can take them to the bank. So, if the story that you have allowed to set your parameters and to shape your destiny hasn't been serving you well, if it doesn't answer the big questions of human existence, if it hasn't addressed the deepest longings of your heart, if it leaves you feeling like there has to be something more to human existence, if it suggests you're destined to be a lifelong victim, if it only uses the dark colors of the palette when painting the picture of your future, if it doesn't birth hope when hope is desperately needed, if it doesn't have the power to outweigh your painful past or your problematic present, And if it suggests that God doesn't see you and God doesn't care about you, and if it appears to be headed for a dreadful, disappointing conclusion, do not despair. Because the announcement made by that angel wasn't just for those two women or Jesus' disciples at the time. That announcement was intended for every one of you as well. Because Jesus wants to surprise you with a new story. And every moment of life offers you a chance to embrace it. In conclusion, let me say, if up until this day, you have been stuck inside the disappointing story of unbelief. God, on this resurrection weekend, is inviting you to step into the new story of his incredible, miraculous restoration. And all you have to do is ask. Not beg. Just ask. Jesus said, anybody who calls on me I won't turn them away. I'm anxious to step in, turn on the lights, forgive their sin, open their understanding, and begin the first lines of a brand new story. So if you're currently stuck in the story of unbelief, no matter what form you've embraced, if you will simply say, Jesus, I've been following the wrong story. I believe this story 
in your word about Jesus' resurrection and what he came to accomplish, and I take him today as my Savior. You do that, and God will start penning your new story immediately. If you're already a follower of Jesus, and most of you listening to me are, I want to remind you that even though you have embraced God's story as the defining story of your life, you may have allowed the enemy of your soul to interject some chapters that really don't fit with God's overall story. Some wounds that have never healed, a root of bitterness, some low expectations, some fears, some element of despair. And I want to remind you that when Jesus stepped out of that tomb, he was making it possible for you to step out of that negative chapter and step back into God's exciting and liberating story. You may need on this Resurrection Sunday to say, Lord, resurrect the fullness of the story I embraced years ago. I've allowed some corrupted chapters. Forgive me, release me, empower me, help me to get back on the script. A final word. We are all living through a rather uncertain and certainly disconcerting story right now. But I want to remind you that the story that is being written in this pandemic will not trump God's new story that he wants to write in the life of everybody who reaches out and embraces him by faith. So even in the midst of the same depressing news, news of death and disease, day after day after day, listen, listen. For God to surprise you with a new story. So that when this pandemic is in the pages of history, you'll be able to look back and say, it was during those dark hours that God surprised me with a new insight, a new understanding, a new story. And I have never been the same since that time. Allow me to pray for you as we close. Gracious Heavenly Father, We are thankful that we don't have to remain stuck in a bad story. We don't have to remain trapped inside stories that make life meaningless, stories that make life empty, stories that have no end in sight. We can live inside the story of abundant life, forgiveness, restoration, understanding, peace, joy, strength. We can discover what you intended us to be when you first thought of us. That new story awaits us. On this Resurrection Sunday and Resurrection Weekend, Lord, teach us to embrace that new story and always look for the next new chapter. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And remember, because he lives, you can live in a new story. God bless you.